but it's got to the point where I'm like, I, this isn't for me anymore. And, and I don't know what like in my life changed after that, but I'm just like, this is, this is not good. Why, why did I like this? Why, this is not good music. Hello and welcome back to the Ear Fuel Podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at @getearfuel and at the Daily Guru. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under EarFuel and at getearfuel.com. What you heard at the top was a clip from a chat I had with my pal Christian. We discussed bands that we once loved, or in some cases were outright obsessed with, but we just don't listen to them anymore. We also revealed some big-time artists that it took us until later in life to get into, and we really dug into the why and how of it all, how musical taste changes, and uh, there might be a few points where we admit some embarrassing musical passions. But before we get to all of that, a quick album review. The album I want to look at today is the highly anticipated new one from Bjork, and it's called Utopia. First off, yes, her name is pronounced Bjork, not Bjork, so you can say that properly now because I didn't for a very long time. And this is her ninth studio release, and it's also the follow-up to 2015's heartbreakingly stunning Volnicura, which is unquestionably one of, if not the most tragically beautiful breakup album ever. If you haven't heard it yet, when you're in the right mood to just get just destroyed, go listen to it. It is sensational. It goes without saying that the music of Bjork is perhaps the most acquired taste of the past few decades, and I myself am and have been a massive fan since the early 90s. But here's the thing with Bjork. Even within her fan base, she is massively polarizing from album to album. That's to say, even fans are rarely lukewarm on what she releases. Either folks love the record or outright hate it, and that varies from person to person. Most people agree that her consecutive releases of debut, post, homogenic, and vespertine are outright perfection, because they are, but after that, the fanbase really splinters. You'll find very extreme views on records like Medulla and Biophilia, which are her most experimental moments, and Volta is sort of sandwiched in there. Trust me on this one, people have very strong opinions on everything that she does. So that brings us to Utopia. Like I said, Volnacura was devastatingly unguarded and raw to the point that she had to pull out of her tour about halfway through because it was too emotionally difficult to perform the songs. And believe me, I get it. I was fortunate enough to see her do two shows at Carnegie Hall, and they're just... It is such an amazing record. Can't say it enough. Anyway, a few months ago, Bjork announced the existence of this new record, which, in her words, was a sort of musical Tinder profile. I think she basically meant it was going to be her record of rediscovering herself and her sexuality after her divorce. The first single was called The Gate. It made me a bit nervous, as it's pretty out there even by her standards, and it has perhaps the most annoying hook she's ever done. I mean, this hook is the Jar Jar Binks of music, really. It is. And hearing that, I feared she had another biophilia disaster in the works, and yes, biophilia was a disaster, it's just a bad record. But the second single, Blissing Me, 
That gave me massive hope as it felt like the remnants of Vespertine with a more modern twist on it. So I waited, because so often with her music, you need the entire context of the record to really appreciate what she put together, and that's not just true of her. A lot of bands can pull that off. One other thing of note, though, is that musician and producer Arca gets full credit on this album. The vinyl came with a sticker that said it was the new album conceived by Bjork and Arca, so I suppose this can be seen as a bit more of a collaborative work than anything she's previously released. So, the album... Utopia. It's, you know, it's new territory for Bjork, as I think this is her first lukewarm record. That is to say, this is not a bad album, but overall, it's not very good. The key element lacking here is a cohesive mood or atmosphere. On many levels, that's always been her hallmark, an ability to create these rich, deep sonic landscapes that you get lost in. But on Utopia... There's no flow. There's no feel. It's a handful of sounds smashed together with lyrics and emotions, and they don't necessarily match up. Don't get me wrong. Many of the musical backgrounds are fantastic, and she has a few very good lyrics, but they never seem to appear at the same time. It's almost like Bjork and Arca had a ton of amazing ideas, threw them together, and neither of them wanted to make the other one feel bad by saying it wasn't quite right. As usual, Bjork holds nothing back in her words. There's a point where she gets really raw and angry on the track Sumi, speaking directly to her ex, saying that they kind of need to break the curse that they've been caught in so their children don't suffer from it and meet the same fate, and it becomes very obvious that what broke them up was somewhat predictable from the husband's side, and of course, this is only her side of the story. Later on the song Tabula Rasa, she implies that she's exhausted from hiding lies about her ex. She lays it out with the lines, not repeating the fuck-ups of our father, for us women to rise and not just take it lying down. Obviously, there was something pretty nasty going on in that relationship. On the flip side, songs like Blissing Me and Body Memory are wonderfully flirty, but again, the musical backing is off in another world. I don't know, maybe they were just trying too hard to be clever instead of just letting things develop and flow naturally because Volnicura proved that these two can create magic, but then again, making an album that uniquely special is a rare achievement to begin with, so maybe it's time for them both to find new musical partners. Also, there's no way around it. This album goes on way too long. So many tracks overstay their welcome by multiple minutes, and that's usually a sign there was nobody in the studio saying, ah, you know what, maybe you shouldn't do that, or maybe we should cut down that song a bit. They might have just been left alone too long and thought they had this amazing opus, and it's just not. Overall, I'm pretty damn disappointed in Utopia. Bjork is forever one of my all-time favorite artists, and I suppose that when you're as constantly experimental and innovative as she is, there are going to be some musical miscues. I was really hoping that coming off of the extraordinary Volnicura, Bjork was kind of entering a second golden age, but in the end, Utopia is a confused, disjointed affair that misses the potential by miles. Sadly, so not worth the 70-plus minutes. Just skip it. Moving on. The other week, I was chatting with my musical soulmate, Christian, who we've had on the podcast a few times before, and we started talking about bands we used to love that we just don't listen to anymore, 
And as it progressed, I told him I really wanted to bring the conversation to all of you because I think everybody will be able to relate. We all have these bands, and, and I'm talking beyond just the pop music of our youth, that for one reason or another fell out of our musical rotation. We explored the who's, the highs, the wows, and the oh my's. So sit back and enjoy. So the other day, you and I were on the phone, and you raised this topic, and it's, it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, stop. I want to have this conversation, but I really want to do it on the podcast instead because the music conversations you and I have been having for like 20 years are some of my favorites. So, so why don't you talk about what the, the concept, the idea you, you brought up to me? So as you and I talk, um, one of my other really good friends, Neil, and I talk about how we listen to music and how we decide what I'm going to listen to that day or what I'm going to listen to that afternoon on this drive or whatever. Uh-huh. And I'm sifting through my music collection and I see bands on now don't fall down, but there's a device I use called an iPod. I've heard of, of people, one of those. Yes. I, I, it's an antiquated device for listening to digital music. Now, it's wait, really you got to remember though, cause I know, I know your, your iPod cause we have the same one. This is not an iPod touch. This is the old scroll wheel. It holds 160 gig iPod. Yes, exactly. You don't know you don't know what situation or frame of mind you're going to be in when I need to listen to Miles Davis or DJ Dio. Jazzy Jeff in the Fresh uh, Prince. You don't know when you're exactly. going to need summertime. Right. I might need it. So I need to have as much <laughs> as possible my entire music collection with me at all given points. Yep. Yep. Um, so anyways, I'm scrolling through there and I'm looking at bands. I'm like, man, I haven't listened to that band or that artist in a long time. Why is that? Oh, you know what? I don't love them anymore. I don't like them anymore. Well, why not? So yeah. that's what I started kind of thinking, well, why don't I love that band anymore? Or why doesn't that band, why don't I connect with their songs or their music or their lyrics anymore? Right. And so, you know, we, we started to talk about bands that we were not just liked, but like loved, were, were pre- almost to the point of being obsessed with that we just don't listen to anymore. So, so we're going to jump into that. Uh, and I thought we would start with, well, with with me because well, it's my podcast. Um, and I wanted to talk about a little band from Boston called Aerosmith. Now, this was before you knew me. This was yes, this was pre college. Yes. I got into Aerosmith when I was probably seven or eight years old. So, uh, you know, around the Civil War, and <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, and I was obsessed with that band i mean there's a photo from of me and i'm gonna put it i'm gonna link it to the podcast there's a photo of me from high school that i'm somewhat embarrassed by it was for uh when you do senior pictures and stuff and i brought all of my aerosmith memorabilia and gear into the studio we're talking dozens of shirts the books the magazines i cut out the huge pieces of framed art i had like a, you you've seen it my signed t-shirt yes, yes. because i this... rewrote jingle bells and one i was part of the fan club and i won a fan club contest you, you would qualify this would definitely qualify for uh an intervention yeah oh or, a- absolutely uh, absolutely a definite ad- uh, addiction for I sure i mean there were points when my friends in high school would make fun of me because i would go two or three weeks wearing nothing but different aerosmith t-shirts i mean oh, i i was horrible. obsessed with this band i mean you know i wrote for the school paper i uh you know in high school i was the music columnist for the school paper shocker <laughs> what and, yeah and when i was 14 or so i i was i was not yet of drinking age we know that because i was in high school uh was when they released their nine lives album that had <laughs> falling in love is hard on the knees the farm pink pink was oh god you couldn't get away from that single oh. 
And they did an exclusive, like, few song performance and simulcast. And Cleveland was one of the cities, and they did it downtown at the Agora, which I'm so happy that venue is still open. It's one of my all time favorites. But you had to be 21 or older to get in. So the day before, I called the venue, said that I was a journalist, and could I get in with the press? They said yes. So. I basically weaseled my way into this 21 and over event just so I could hear the new Aerosmith record a few hours earlier than everybody else. But uh, it's because of your, it's because it was because of your obsession. You were saying to yourself, I need to find, I need to see this band yeah. no matter what. Oh yeah. It was the first band I traveled to see. My dad uh, drove me to see them in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I mean, I saw them, I saw them so many times, you know, with fan club seats when they played in Cleveland in 94 after they played crying steven tyler threw his harmonica off the stage and my dad caught it you've seen that it's on the wall uh in my home i made myself a it was a scene out of a movie it It really was a a movie almost i mean i homemade myself an aerosmith themed belt i kid you not it's it's one of my more embarrassing items yeah you've never seen this one buddy We'll see if you're still my friend, but like, you know, Oof. it was a belt and it, uh, it's, it's horrible because I have no artistic talent whatsoever. Um, so true, I was, I was obsessed with Aerosmith. I mean, I, I owned everything and, uh, until I was getting ready to do this, this call with you, I don't remember the last time I turned on Aerosmith on purpose. Like to me, they're almost a bit of a joke now. And yeah. So I mean, is that why is it, is it when like, you know, nine lives started coming around, you're like, see, I'm, I'm not connecting with this anymore. Or is it, was it the songwriting or I like actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump dump on that album. I, I, you know, for me, my favorite record is definitely toys in the attic, but you know, the, you know, pump permanent vacation, get a grip, great a grip, records, pump. Awesome. Definitely you know, so strong all the way through. Yeah, those were great songwriting. Right. So was it, or was it, or were there uh, external things that the band was doing? Or no, you no. Know? And you know, and also just you know, Aerosmith Live is amazing. The live bootleg record, and just I mean, they're a hell of a live rock and roll band. Somewhere, you know, I saw the Nine Lives tour two or three times, and that's when it kind of started falling apart. Now I will say. Perhaps coincidence. That's also around the time I started. I started college, so mm-hmm. I don't know if those are are related. But you know, then they made a lot of bad records. I mean, a little South of Sanity was really, really bad, um, and it was actually a, a lot south of good. Is is what it is. Yes, is yes, what it, it was. was. It was. Yeah. You know, I mean, probably probably the worst album in their entire discography. Bye. And, and, you know, and then they did some garbage live records and it just, I just really, I oh, was it just push play. That was the record. It's just, it was just, but push let's, stop. Th- let's think of, let's think about what they started doing. Um, and I, and I don't know when Steven Tyler started, uh, you know, being the judge on like shows and stuff like yeah. that. Right. And so when, when Steven is doing, uh, you know, reality show judging and stuff like that, you could you could argue maybe that his you know he's he's ready to be done with this and didn't he do like a country album he did, or something yeah, else? Yeah, he did this like bluegrassy so, country record that was just garbage. 
you know, could it be that with their ever with their change in tastes or lifestyle or whatever, maybe they're just ready to be done with that chapter of their life after almost forty over forty plus years, right? But here here's the thing though, is why did I stop liking those songs? You know, stuff like, you know, uh Last Child and Lord of the Thighs and, you know, all of Pump and Permanent Vacation, those well, you said it yourself. You, you start. You went to college, so maybe there are some things that you haven't thought about that when you got to college, you're like, "Oh, wow, what is this?" What is I this mean, the band? only thing that what happened when I went to college is I started doing more drugs and and getting to know women better than I did in high school. Which is, I mean, that's Aerosmith at their core: sex, drugs, mm-hmm, and rock and mm-hmm. roll. And you know, I was still listening to ACDC, which, let's be honest, they're basically the same band from two different countries. It's you know, how many how many clever sex puns can we write into our music? Exactly. Exactly. Um. But yeah, I just I completely stopped listening to them. And, and and some of it may be the fact that they weren't doing anything to excite me anymore. They weren't putting out a new record that I was really into. But, you know, Led Zeppelin hasn't put out a new record since before I was born. Right. Uh, no, that's not true. Coda came out after. But, you know, uh, I listen to that band almost every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know. And and even now when I'm listening, you know, like I said, I, I put on Last Child uh, before we had this call. And I'm like, yeah, this rocks, but it's, it's, but I just like it's it's just also kinda like Meh. yeah, it's kind of silly. It's a little like like I don't want to call so, it adolescent, but yeah. So with 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 the first band that I was yeah. really into, it I, it's a little different for me because I can point out to some specific things why I don't like them anymore. Okay, and and who so, was that band? So I I would say it was probably Van Halen. Van now, Halen, the mighty Van Halen. But so um, now I was not into them to the to the degree that you were to Eros. Uh, so you weren't Aerosmith. into them into an unhealthy degree, right? But this is the first band that I can remember hearing on you know rock radio. You know, I, I think everyone can remember the first time they heard Eruption and like, oh, yeah. wow, what is this? Yeah. And so I was hooked from there. So the first few albums from there. You know, uh, Fair Warning and Diver Down were kind of turds. I mean, it had a couple good songs on there. But, you know, I just I just loved Eddie. I loved his guitar. I loved the songs. They were exciting. You know, David Lee was a, a great singer. Great had so much. Ed- oh, okay. Argument for another day. Argument for another day. And then when Sammy came on, I was like, wow, even better. And I love... Sammy 50- shows up, what, 5150? 5150 okay. and... Oh, you eight one two for unlawful carnal knowledge. I love that album. That oh record sold a lot. I mean, I remember when that record just it was it was everywhere. You could not get away from it. Yeah, yeah. And the live album, the double live album, was great. I really liked Balance. I thought there were some killer songs on there. You know, so Balance came out right around ninety five. I graduated in ninety six, and again, still, you know, I remember listening to, to Balance in college and like, yeah, this album still rocks. Um, when Gary Sharon came around. And I think I listened to uh, Van Halen three like once. I was like, "All right, this is a turd," and I don't. I never listened to it after that. And it was, and then all the infighting started started coming around. Yeah. And I was like, "I was like, Eddie, you're just a jerk off. Like, don't you understand? You know." And again, was um, David Lee Roth or Sam Hagar? You know perfect in in those scenarios. No, I'm sure they had something to do with it. It's not just always one person for the most part. Sure, but. You know, Eddie, he, and he was battling his own demons with, with alcoholism and had cancer and all that other stuff. So, well, I'm not giving him a pass, mm-hmm. but David Lee Roth, I, again, 
when he was in the band and the energy he brought to the live shows, Sammy, love him or hate him, I think was a, a, a stronger songwriter. And I like, and he, I think he added more with his guitar playing because, um, David Lee was just running and dancing around the stage and couldn't play. Nothing wrong with that. I just want to go on the record. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But I, I liked, I liked Sammy's songwriting contributions and I liked his voice a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, there's always a, you know, got, like I said, the, the first albums, 1984. Oh my God. So many good songs. And, you know, the choruses and, and everything else just runs along with it. You know, kind of like you said with, with ACDC, you know, and, and Aerosmith in that respect. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, so many fun puns or whatever. But, uh, yeah. but again, good stuff. And like I said, after the Gary Sharon started coming in there and Eddie started doing all those things, I was like, you know, what the heck, you know? And I, I think it was those external factors that really started kind of pushing me away from them. And like I said, I listened to Van Halen 3. I was like, well, this is nothing like the other ones, yeah. which is not a which is not a bad thing. But for this particular band, you know, it's not that they had a a very strict formula, but they had for me kind of like some guardrails of uh, of what Van Halen, what in my mind should be, and and Gary Sharon and that stuff. No offense, pal, it, it was not there. It's it's and not so, Van Halen. It's not Van Halen. Yeah, and so all that stuff kind of going down. And then when they started, um, and then they got Sammy back together. God. It was, it was like any other bad relationship. They break up, they got back together, they went yeah. back to the old girlfriend, and then they came back to here. And then when they started kicking out Michael Anthony, that Michael made no Anthony, sense. That made right. no sense. And again, that just kind of led to the the thing of like, Eddie has a huge uh, a huge problem with everyone else except himself and his his ego. As if and, and anyone in show business in the music industry will say, Michael Anthony is one of the nicest dudes for for him for them to say like oh yep he was horrible kick him out like dude he was steady eddie on bass and backup vocals for all those years so all that stuff i think together and you know like you said i i'll put on uh the first album and um or i'll put on 1984 whatever like yeah you know the songs are still okay but i don't feel the need like "Ah, man today i need to listen to you know 1984. I don't. I don't feel that need anymore, and I and I don't miss it. So, what did you think though when they they did the 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 reunion with Diamond Dave? Was that like three years ago? I can't remember if Wolfgang um, Eddie's son was on bass or whatever. I'm almost positive because I think he plays bass on uh, what's that record called? A different kind of kind of was that it? A different kind of crap. Something. Yeah, came out like in 2012. Yeah, sounds right. And um, but here and here's the other here's the other barometer for me. If this band is coming to my town or close by and I don't feel the need to go see them, yes. you know, that, that kind of says it right there. Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go see them. I don't need to go see them. Yeah. So goodbye. Goodbye to you, Van Halen. So you just, you just, uh, you don't, you just don't listen to them anymore because for you, it was that the band kind of got too far away from what they were and kind of ruined some of the music for you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just kind of. And again, they didn't stray. It's not like they went like disco or you know, um, the Van Halen disco record, right? It's not like it went that far away. But for, yeah. you know, the songwriting, it was not strong. They were not good songs. But see, I think it's oh. more about the band's personality, though. And here, here's why I'll argue that you know me well enough and how I feel about Metallica mm-hmm. that you know, basically until they get rid of Jason Newstead. You know, I love that band and haven't liked anything they've done since, but Mm -hmm. I still listen to those songs all the time, even though for me, they haven't made a good record, you know, since, you know, the 90s. Um, Yeah, yeah. 
and, and so so I guess we you know but you're saying like even beyond that even even if they were making decent music the the kind of attitude and outward persona of the band has been tarnished for you yeah it just it just doesn't do it for me anymore yeah I get that I get yeah. I, I I get it it's it's uh you know it when someone gets accused of a crime or you know someone ends up in some legal hot water you might just be like yeah you know, I don't think I'm listening to Gary Glitter much anymore these days. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And you know what? And look, that that's what turns a lot of people, including two people having this conversation uh, right now. It's what turns a lot of people off to a band like you, too, where, you know, the front man's ego is just so huge and arrogant. You're like, you know, I just I don't want to even listen to this music. It annoys me. Exactly. So much. You know? Agreed. Agreed. Um, and yet we still love Guns N' Roses. That's another story. The, the 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 biggest ego of them all, and we right. still love Guns and Roses. Yeah, so maybe I'm a hypocrite. Who knows? But yeah. but but you mentioned but you mentioned ego. Yeah. So one of the bands that you used to love and dedicated a lot of life of, uh, of your life to. I, I think I know where you're going with this. The the how have you not? Sp- oh man. Okay. So you you talk oh. about so you talk about that, and again, I'm not going to. I don't want to speak for you, but no. just. You know, so could it be like a similar, uh, maybe similar to Aerosmith? Well, you know, or, with, or, with Fish, but, honestly, and a lot of people are going to hate me for this. I think I just grew up, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I, for, so what for, does that mean? for those, for, you know, I think, I think first, let me, let me give a little backstory here. I think you could safely say I was a fish head. I think, I think it qualifies. Um, I spent many summers following that band around the country. Um, there was a period where it was pretty much all I listened to. I have CD, you know, the 250 CD books filled with fish bootlegs. I was a taper. I mean, um, by the way, yeah. uh, listeners, I tried to get Joel to get rid of some of those, uh, <laughs> case logic, um, cases. I need them. I might need those um, CDs later. He, he refused. I tried to, I tried to get him get out of his hoarding tendencies. Just for the record, wanted to put that out there. Yeah, and, please go and, on. And mind you, I have made some lifelong friends on the road with fish, and you know these these are people I adore and who are the most wonderful people around. But and I, and I'm not saying like I got too cool for them or too mature for them because you know if anything it's going in the opposite direction. I just think musically, I I think I just grew out of them, and it was kind of so. Uh, are you saying that f- for for your perspective now, that band is too? is pigeonhole the word I'm looking for or have they have they backed themselves into a corner musically for you well look I'll say this I listened to one of the shows from the the uh, the run they did the Baker's Madison Square Garden yeah, yeah. The, the 13 nights they did and man that they are musically they're killing it I mean I mean they sound they sound better than ever they're they're really locked in I think for me there were a couple things that went on you know yes uh, Trey's ego and I gotten some arguments over the years in person um nothing like yelling at a rock star who you just paid to see i it also I got to disagree with you <laughs> yeah. or when i told dave Grohl the first time i saw the food fighters they sucked <laughs> but he agreed with me uh not good that was fun but uh, and by the way thanks for getting me backstage for that one uh one of the few things i could do oh you do a lot anyway you know i i i got to a point where i said i can't justify paying like 65 dollars for one night with this band and, and that's an issue i'm having with lots of bands over the last like five or six years is there are very few bands i will pay more than 50 bucks to see and you know i know so oh, was tour that- costs and all this that was part of it was i just didn't want to pay to see it anymore also i felt like 
I've seen everything they can do. You know, I was at Big Cypress for the Millennium show, you know, where they played 11 hours straight or something like that. And I actually think it was a little over nine hours. You know, I'd done the big festivals in Maine. I'd spent weeks on the road with them. I saw all of these cool things. And again, don't regret a second of it because those were just great travel, amazing music, amazing people. It just wasn't for me anymore. And 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 here's the other part I want to qualify. You know, I got clean from drugs and alcohol in 1999 and I kept seeing them for a number of years after that so it wasn't like a, oh did you stop doing drugs and then you didn't want to see fish because it's it's an uh kind of unfair stereotype that people put with that band you know I, I some of my favorite shows um like the February 2003 shows in Cincinnati which were just amazing uh, I was completely sober loved it and and so I just think musically it wasn't really for me anymore and uh, I again, I, I listened. I listen to them from time to time. You know, I have friends who work pretty closely with that music and that band, and they'll say, "You really need to hear this show." And and my jaw will be on the ground because, man, can those guys play? So it sounds to me that for you, it's not that the music has changed all that much. Sure, it has. Yeah, but it, it doesn't sound like to you the, the the change, evolution, or regression in their music to you is is really the thing. It sounds like the external influ- it sounds like external influences or changes uh, the 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 pricing in the shows uh, f- um, Trey's ego uh, and you kinda, get into a different point in your life yeah. you, you get into a different point in your life so it doesn't sound necessarily that it's the band's fault yeah I think it's one of those situations where almost like kind of pop music I think mm-hmm. I, I think I just kind of grew out of it and it's it's not a slam on them it's just yeah. I'm at a different phase in my life. If we're gonna if we're gonna close this chapter, I'm gonna blame you <laughs> on this one. I'm gonna blame Aerosmith on the other. Sure, I, yes, I, I, will, you, I will. Own you are that. at fault. I you are at fault that. for this yes. relationship uh, going down the tubes. I, 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 the the breakup between Fish and me. It's it's not you. It's me. It's not you. It's me. Yeah. yeah. No, that's interesting though, right? Because I, I th- it, yeah, this it's you, you. You just said it yourself. It's not the music no, itself. It's me. It's yeah. And hmm, and you had a band. You know, you you had a band uh, who are a very interesting band to be as into as you were. And, and yes, that is a bit of a knock. Um, they're a band from Florida, I believe. Ooh, which one? Isn't Offspring you, from Florida? Offspring? I, I, I can't remember. I think they were from California. I don't know. But, um, you know, when I uh, when I first got into them, like I, I think many folks did, it was off the Smash album. And who could... Um, oh, they're from California. You're right, they are from California. Yeah. We both we yeah. both Googled that at the same time. I was wrong. all music. All music comes right? through. <laughs> um, like many people in in '94 when the Smash album came out, who can forget that? Like so many fun songs, totally underrated. High energy, so underrated record. It's still oh my gosh. stands up. Yeah, right. It, it, just fun, and I don't know how many times we played this CD over and over and over and over. Loved it. Loved it. Like the first couple albums, I think I got them just based, you know, based off the fact I need to be a completist. I need to have everything. Sure. Yes. And, and carried on through college, listened to it and whatnot. And after their, their album Conspiracy of One came out in 2000, uh-huh. I just got to the point I'm like, wait a second. I don't like this. I don't anymore. actually like this music. I don't like this anymore. And again, I'm sure they're fun guys. They're great, but it's got to the point where I'm like, I this isn't for me anymore. And, and I don't know what like in my life changed after that. But I'm just like, this is this is not good. Why why did I like this? Why, this is not good music. This is this is 
yuck. So you almost That's felt guilty could... for or embarrassed for yes. being into it. Yes. Oh God. Yes. I'm like, oh yeah. These guys came out. I, I I wanted to go see them. They were never coming through around where I was at. There was heavy rotation in high school and college mm-hmm. all the time. And um, yeah, just w- for whatever reason, about that seven year period or whatever, just one of my like go to like high energy pump up bands. And then yeah, I don't know what happened, but around that two thousand one two era area, I just like no. I can't tell you the last time it, it's probably been 15, 16 years since I've, I've picked that up, hmm. uh, picked one of those albums up or, or listened to it. So it's definitely, I'm in a different place in my life and, and, and I'll say it. I think it's, I think it's cheesy. It's, it's cheesy. Want to be, if, if, if you want to use the term pop punk, which I think is an oxymoron and I think you agree too. Oh yes. But I think most people can identify with that. But if you want to, you know, go along the lines of Newfound Glory or Good Charlotte, these guys to me are the precursors of of those bands. Hot topic bands and hot topic bands. And um, you know, I guess I'm just to the point where like, no, this is really actually crap. So, and, so you're um, actually pushing back on it and just yes. saying like, please, I, I wish, I wish I could forget that I was into this band. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry I went out with you. That was a bad choice on my <laughs> um you know, that's a bad choice yeah. on my part. Yeah. Uh you're actually a horrible person and I'm sorry that I was into you. Yeah, I regret that relationship. I regret that relationship. Interesting. Cause that I mean that's yes. a very vehement man. I, I, I wasted time on this group. Yeah. Why did I why did I waste fifteen dollars on each one of those albums when they first came out? I didn't mm. need to do that. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, this has been an interesting um, somewhere between therapy and walk down memory lane. I feel a bit cleansed having admitted to some of this stuff. Yes, so do I. It was, it was, it was, it was good and bad at the same time. Yeah. I, can, I can talk about my demons. And now I know that for Christmas, I'm going to buy you the entire Offspring catalog on vinyl. You should, for so. sure. All right, sir. Well, as always, thank you for stopping by the podcast, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Sounds great. All right. My thanks again to Christian for making time. You can hit me up on Twitter at at the Daily Guru or at Get Ear Fuel and let me know what bands you once adored, but you just don't spin anymore. Now, before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your weekly Ear Fuel listening assignment. For those of you new to the podcast, each week I assign an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. It stems from the fact that these days, music has been largely relegated to a background task for most people. You're at the gym, you're out driving, you're at work, you're on the subway, whatever. And this assignment is about taking some time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of music alone. This week, you have a very personal assignment. I want each of you to go grab one of those bands that you used to love, but you just don't listen to anymore, and spin the favorite record of theirs that you haven't played in years. Go have yourself a trip down memory lane and see if you can pinpoint why the music just doesn't speak to you anymore. That's it. Go grab a record you used to love but you don't listen to it anymore and give it another chance. So that's all for this week. As always, the podcast is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores, along with at GetEarFuel.com. And you can find me all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just look for EarFuel and stop on by. That is your weekly EarFuel. Share and enjoy. Thank <laughs> you.